Building a career in business development isn't the same as building a career as a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. In those roles, you know where you're going in your life. You know what schools to go to and where you want to work and what life will probably look like at the end of a successful career. But when you're in a job like business development, well, no one's done the job for a full career. And that makes it really difficult to know where you're going next. On this podcast, we're going to be talking with members of the Fernio BD community about their career journeys, about how they broke in, how they navigated this ambiguously defined path, how they're paving their own road to find success in a career that they love. After the episode, if you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join a community of peers who are all pursuing a similar career journey, join us at Fernio.com. On this episode, our host Jillian Truby talks with Molly Seams Cavanaugh, who shares her journey from M&A lawyer to leading business development at two of New York City's fastest growing startups. Take a listen. Good to be here. My name is Molly Seams Cavanaugh. I'm the director of business development at JustWorks. We're an HR tech platform in the SMB space. We do payroll, HR compliance, and health benefits. So I began my career in a very different place than where it ended up. I like to think that every twist and turn along the way, though, happened for a reason and has left me with a diverse skill set that really serves the jack-of-all-trades nature of business development. So moral of the story is that no matter what your background is, if you're thinking of making a move into BD, you can do it. There's no right or wrong background, really, for Mm -hmm. BD. I'm actually a former lawyer and I graduated law school in 2017 where I started out, I'm sorry, 2007. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Yeah. (laughs) Where I started out at a large corporate law firm doing M&A in the city. About six months in, I realized that law firm life really wasn't for me, but I did stick it out for another two years to get a foundation in corporate law. Then began my year of magical thinking, as I called it, where I jumped off that hamster wheel and tried on a few other careers for size. I convinced a small digital ad agency to hire me as an account manager and learned multi-channel advertising tactics and how websites are designed and built. And that year and a half was also where I learned the importance of people skills. Coming out of the law firm, I was very adversarial and ready to fight at every turn, but my boss at the ad agency taught me that you catch more bees with honey than vinegar, and I learned how to effectively manage people and clients at that role, so it was very valuable in a lot of ways. After that, I started taking some fashion design classes, since I love clothes, and mm-hmm. why not? Uh, <laughs> That dream was dead almost as soon as it started because I quickly found out I have no patience or sewing skills for that matter. But through the fashion community, I ended up falling into some trademark and copyright legal work. So again, I mean, that twist did bring me an interesting skill set. When my good college friend heard that I was doing legal work again, he called me out of the blue to see if I wanted to help his startup negotiate media licenses with major publishers and help them build out their content library. That was the beginning of my four-year ride with NewsCred, a content marketing startup. I joined the company as number 15 right after the Series A and helped grow it through employee number 200 in the Series D. And at NewsCred, I was actually legal director for three years. And my favorite work was negotiating and closing BD deals, since no two deals were alike. 
And when our head of BD left, the CEO asked me if I wanted to take over the BD lead role. At first, it was really challenging getting used to being on offense rather than wearing my legal hat and being on defense, but I soon grew to love it. And that really catches us up to the present day. So I joined JustWorks, like I said, about three years ago to actually start the BD function. So that didn't exist here. And at first, I was a team of one, devising a partnership strategy and figuring out how to execute on it. Uh, and slowly but surely, my partners began to generate revenue. And since then, I've been fortunate enough to hire a team of four. And BD is responsible for about 19% of JustWorks revenue today. And I'm actually hoping to see that number grow. I use my legal background pretty regularly to draft and negotiate various types of deals. And it has served me fairly well. Uh, practicing law is like really about mitigating risk, and that has always been a big part of entering into a new partnership. My ad agency experience also aids me in that BD feels like marketing at times, uh, because JustWorks has a very diverse long tail of almost 400 partners, and my team has to find ways to nurture and engage them through email communications, swag, events, and other means. In conclusion, I really have no regrets about the twisting, turning career path. I'm actually grateful for it since it serves me every day. Um, so to the audience, if you're thinking of getting into BD but you aren't sure you have the right background, I urge you to think bigger and just figure out how you can draw on the no doubt very useful experiences you have had. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, sure no worries, story. of course. Um, I love that you spoke about all of your different career trajectories that got you to this point, like being a lawyer and going into fashion. You talked a little bit about some of the skills that you learned in each of those, but I'd love to kind of talk more to the skills that you learned in those specific moments that you've been able to bring to your current day mm -hmm. role. Yeah, so I would say the legal background is definitely a big asset in that I have to think through deals yeah. all day, how to structure them, what deal terms, how to not only get it on paper, but then how to operationalize it post-deal. So as a lawyer, I had to draft contracts for all the teams at my company, marketing, mm -hmm. BD, product, and that really helped me think through the various parts of a deal mm -hmm. and the types of ways they can be structured. And yeah. so I kind of have those blueprints in my head now. So nice. Yeah. Like, and do so you have to rely on your legal team much here, or can you really no, do everything yourself? Which <laughs> that is I'm probably, so nice. Yeah, one of the more dangerous people here because I don't yeah. talk to them maybe as much as I should. <laughs> I mean, I know I do. Like when yeah. it's important, I, I know when it's at a level where I need to loop them in. Yeah. And I think also just having that judgment is helpful for them because sure. they don't have to get involved in, in small issues yeah. and the nitty gritty. I can kind of sort through that myself right. and I just escalate to them when something deserves their attention. Sure. Because um, they're always strapped for resources. And, yeah. you know, um, I think any company feels that. Yes, exactly. But, you know, just in terms of negotiating even a contract with one of our partners mm -hmm. and just knowing this is not a big change, it's not material, if that's a legal yeah. standard, you know, I can probably just make that tweak and I don't need to escalate that all the way to my GC, like those kinds of yeah. things. It definitely helps streamline what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that it's really important not to have those bottlenecks, especially as you're growing a department. You started as a, essentially a one-woman show at JustWorks. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to like be dangerous in that sense is really great. And I'll yes. come back to being a one-woman show. But <laughs> I also kind of want to talk about all of the different careers you've had and the idea of imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. I think we as women and just as people like that's a huge thing we've talked about it so often my uh, director actually sent us an article about imposter syndrome today and I was like oh my gosh this is full circle because I was literally talking about it last night yeah I think it is a very big topic of discussion so sure. I'm wondering if you felt that when you came into this BD role and how you might have overcome it sure yeah great question I think Sure, I definitely felt that way coming in, especially since BD can mean so many different things Mm -hmm. at different companies, depending on what the need is. So when I was doing BD at NewsCred, that was an enterprise company, uh, and the partnerships were very different. We Mm -hmm. had a couple of international resellers. It was just, that was BD for them. When I came Mm -hmm. to JustWorks, I realized in the SMB space that no deals are going to look like that Mm-mm. it's I had to start really from scratch and figure out how do we build this mm-hmm. what types of partners do we want to use and bring on not use bring on <laughs> <laughs> wrong yeah. word choice uh, and we ended up building a long tail strategy of a lot of smaller partners yeah. across the country and so at first sure I definitely felt imposter syndrome like do I actually know what I'm doing here and I think BD is one of those roles where you're, you're gonna feel that a lot yeah. even if you've been doing it for years if you join a new company and what they need is different than yeah. what you've done you still have to really use your critical thinking yeah. skills and be creative and solve those BD problems for that company yeah so I think in BD you get used to being in the gray area yeah and have to really think through you know how do I make this work and not yeah. be afraid to take risks and try new things mm-hmm. being flexible yeah and so I think in getting over it you know, what was partially helpful is just talking to other peers in BD, yeah. which is what I also love about Fernio. Yeah. I always felt insecure about the fact that I came up the legal path and I didn't mm-hmm. have really strong number crunching and Excel skills. Yeah. And then I would talk to other folks in BD that maybe had those skills because mm-hmm. they came up through banking or some other career path and they felt a little insecure because maybe they didn't have... Yeah. contract negotiation skills. There's always something that you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the key is remembering what you do have and recognizing yeah. what your strengths are and playing to those strengths. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do something, just admit that and surround yourself with other people who do know how to do it right. and just learn from them. Yeah. So have you been able to connect with others who have the skills that you're looking to accumulate, essentially, to be better at your, your role? Yes. And what has that looked like? I would say when I first joined in, I was a one-woman team. Yeah. I had to run ideas by other people in BD outside of the company a lot. Because yeah. it's hard when you feel like you're in a little echo chamber and you don't know if an idea is good and you just need a sounding board. Yeah. So I definitely called on other folks. I mean, mm. Scott Pollock and you know a bunch of other folks that are in Fernio yeah. today. Yeah. to to sound out ideas and mm-hmm. then since then luckily I've been able to hire a team and I've tried to hire people onto that team that maybe have different skill sets yeah. from me 
And so it's a very diverse team. And, you know, at this point, it's, it's working really well because we've, you know, really, I think, built the right team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think in BD, like the skill sets to be more concrete that we yeah. do have, we have people that have sales skills. Mm-hmm. We have someone that actually was an executive assistant to a very senior person at Amex, who's more of a jack of all trades, who also has an MBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she has more of those analytical yeah. data skills. Yeah, we just hired skills. someone like that. We're yeah, <laughs> more sort of number crunching skills, yeah. which I knew I wasn't great at. Yeah. And then actually another person who came from BD and partnerships. Okay. Cool. So it's an interesting mix, and yeah. it's working really well. But you're filling the gaps for all of the different needs that you have as a as a BD team. So right. Exactly. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did talk about being a one woman show. How did how did you manage that? Like that's really hard to come from a non linear background to BD and have a law background and come into this organization and build out a, essentially a partnership BD function. Um, how were you able to make that successful? Right. So at first, it was extremely nerve-wracking because I had to come up with our BD strategy. Yeah. And it, it was almost an out-of-body experience presenting my partnership strategy to the CEO of the company who had already been running the company for four years before I ever got there. Yeah. It just felt... Like, who am I to tell him what he should be doing? He knows this company so much better than me. It was really hard at first. But he's also someone who's really open to new ideas. And we worked and worked and worked on that deck together. And he Mm -hmm. gave me a lot of great feedback before I then presented it to our board. Okay, cool. And so that was a great experience. I mean, it was scary, but it was a great learning experience. Um, And it, it felt like a collaborative effort. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that helped. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a one-woman show, but I was getting the buy-in and the exec support from the CEO. Yeah. And then when I started executing on the strategy, I was given enough time and space to fail. Yeah. Which I also think is absolutely critical for a new BD function because yeah. there's never an exact roadmap for what that person or that department needs to do. It's always right. a little different. It's not like customer success or sales where it's more formulaic. Yeah. You can't really determine the outcome. No, and you have to be willing to make some bets, Mm -hmm. and they're not all going to work out. It's a little bit of a riskier role. Right, and so my CEO was very patient with me, and really the first year was just trial and error. And I would say I probably failed more than I succeeded, but I mean, I had that year time. Yeah. To figure out what did work and when I figured it out we then doubled down on those things yeah. and that's what we've been doing ever since that's great well I think that's important too to have the the space to figure out the ambiguity and try new things and see what works what doesn't mm-hmm. the fact that you failed multiple times and you're still you know positive and you learn from that is is really important because I think we're all super afraid to fail I think a lot of mm-hmm. people are afraid to jump into the BD career because they're like, I don't have the skill set or I'm afraid to fail. And we have to be okay with failure and like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is something that I've been hearing a lot of. Um, Is there anything specific that you learned from those, those failures that helped propel you forward? Anything maybe about yourself or partnerships in general? Yes. I would say what I learned about partnerships is that 
it's easy to put one on paper, mm -hmm. but it's hard to operationalize yeah. it and actually make it work. So that's what I always tell my team. I would say 10% of a BD deal is the contract and what we say we're gonna do, and 90% is what both parties actually do. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it kind of helps the rest of the company and my team get their heads around you know, how, how challenging BD is. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that love to run around and find partners and mm -hmm. sign up partners, and that's fine. I mean, yeah. that's great, but at the end of the day, having them on paper doesn't mean anything. It's right. the work of really building out that relationship, dividing up who's gonna do what, and sticking to it and committing mm -hmm. to it over a period of time when mm -hmm. it may not be the number one, two, three, or 10th priority of that company mm -hmm. because it's a new initiative. Right. So, you know, I'd say that's what I learned about failure is that essentially, yes, it happens. And usually yeah. it's, it's when the rubber meets the road and you're trying to operationalize. That's like when it happens, yeah. basically. And just like know that that's possible. I think temper people's, I, I don't mean to be negative, but like temper people's expectations when you yeah. enter in because a lot of times there's so much fanfare and there's PR yeah. and everyone's all excited and that's yeah. it's a great Bless. feeling. <laughs> yeah, but you have to remind people that, okay, now we dig in and do the real work yeah. to make this thing successful. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important for execs to realize that about BD that, yeah. you know, sure, they may have signed a couple of partners, but they're doing the real work after those partners yeah. are signed and to give them the time and space to figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot of it is about expectation setting. Yeah, how do you do that with your partners? Because I feel like it is, it's really easy to say, okay, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, like you do your part hoping that someone will come to the table and meet you, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So like, how do you get people to meet you at the table? Yeah, I think a lot of it happens during the deal negotiation process. Mm -hmm. And this is the lawyer in me like coming out. <laughs> it's basically talking about the things that can and probably will go mm -hmm. wrong yeah. and what's going to happen and what's your contingency plan. Yeah. And having the tough conversations up front. Yeah. Because you want to go in trusting them. You want to go in optimistic, of course. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's an arm's length business deal. You yeah. know, this isn't your family. This isn't someone that you just inherently trust. Mm -hmm. And so everything's great until something goes wrong. Yeah. And that's when you really need to figure out when something goes wrong, who's going to do what. Right. Having that contingency plan in place. Right. And literally putting it into the contract yeah. so that if and when it happens, no one's freaked out. Right. They just go to plan B. Right. Yeah, plan B is always, <laughs> always important. Yeah. Um, awesome. Switching gears a little bit, because I think there's been a really big push of women in business. I'm super passionate about this, obviously. I planned mm -hmm. that Women in BD event. So I'd love to get your take on how you, as a woman, and at one point were a one-woman show, like how do you carry yourself in this partnerships world? Mm -hmm. and um, have there been any resources that you've been able to tap into to kind of help um, propel your career forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say in BD, I would still say, especially in tech, I can't speak for other industries, but having been in tech for about mm -hmm. seven years now, I mean, you may feel this way, I don't know, but it, it definitely is more male-dominated still, Yeah. even though we've made a lot of strides. Yeah. 
And in BD, even more so, I don't know why, it just feels like every time I talk to my counterpart at another tech company, oh it's always a guy. Yeah. Probably 90% of the conversations yeah. I've had in the past three years, I mean, I'm just used to it. It doesn't yeah. really bother me. Um, I think, though, in terms of my own sort of career and how I manage that, I do get involved in women's organizations. Yeah. I'm a pod leader in something called Declare, okay. which is a women's sort of leadership organization for tech and finance specifically. Yeah. And just having those other sort of peers out yeah. there that don't work at my company. Mm -hmm. They don't really have a vested interest in what I'm doing every right. day, but it can just be a sort of unbiased source of either inspiration or yeah. help when I need it yeah. and advice. It's kind of nice to have that outlet. So I definitely think, you know, as a woman, if you're in a male dominated industry, just like look around and make sure to take advantage of resources like that. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, great piece of advice. I think we have to do more of that. It's like cultivating that, not only outside of the organization, but within the organization mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing a lot at Greenhouse to kind of push forward women, their career development, and their networking abilities. So um, I think it's great that you're able to find that outside of mm -hmm. JustWorks. Yeah, and I, I mean, JustWorks also has a big uh, diversity and inclusion initiative, right. and they have a women's group as well, and that's also really great. And yeah. I know there's a lot of people that have gotten a lot out of it. Yeah. I think for me, it's just helpful to have people that are actually outside of my yeah. company to just give more sort of unbiased advice. Yeah. That, to me, for some reason, is really valuable. Yeah, that's important yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. Have there been any female leaders in your life that have helped you? And I, it could be mentorship, or it could not be, because I think mentorship is also a, a pretty big topic and something that everyone strives to find in their life, but it's kind of hard to find great mentors mm -hmm. unless it happens organically. I have yet to find like a wonderful mentor in my life. So I'm curious if you have had any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say being a career switcher, yeah. I haven't really had a mentor per se. Yeah. I haven't sort of had that one person. I think it definitely is easier when you're in more highly structured mm -hmm. environments. And yeah. you know, if I stayed at the law firm, for instance, I definitely yeah. would have had those types of opportunities sure. because it's so linear. But, and especially in tech, I mean, it, it's mostly people my age or younger. I'm mm -hmm. one of the oldest people at this company and I'm still in my 30s. So, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of that, yeah. I think, you know, but a lot of it comes from my peers, frankly. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm saying this again, and it's not just because I'm on a Fernio podcast. <laughs> I really do lean on people yeah, in Fernio. me too. Um, because there aren't that many BD people at this company. I mean, yeah. it's always a small team. Yeah. No matter where you go. We have 550 employees, and our team is five people. Yeah. And you just, you need others to bounce ideas off of you need others mm -hmm. to help you and give you know career direction and so I think having that community and yeah. then also just my friends I mean I have a lot of pretty strong powerful female friends yeah. that are very inspiring and you know I can go to them with problems and yeah. I, I learned pretty early on that going to my parents about my career issues really wasn't getting me anywhere yeah. because I think the world <laughs> has changed so yes. much yeah. that they will give me very well-meaning advice, but like that wasn't actually helpful anymore. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I would say my peers, honestly, yeah. have really helped. Yeah, that's great. My my parents, I don't think, have any clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I try to explain it to them, and they're just like, no, I don't know what that is. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like what you said about the Fernio community, too, because I think for a really long time, I had a very hard time coming into my partnerships role and not knowing where to turn for career advice and help on different initiatives that I was doing. And when the Fernio community came about and like kind of fell into my lap, I was at that first Slice um, event where you mm -hmm, spoke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I found where I, I belong. Like, this oh, is great. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's a great community of people who have great things to share with one another mm -hmm. and are always super helpful to, to share their, their advice with you. So it's been great for me. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that Fernio is, is, is kind of trying to cultivate, too, is this um, idea of being an advisor or, like, taking the skill sets that you are really um, good at, whether that's negotiations or contract creation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and putting that towards other projects in the community. And so I'm curious if you've had any recent projects where you've been able to use the skill sets that make you successful and you know what did that project look like and and um, what were the skills that you used to, to make it really successful internally it just works or outside it can be either or mm -hmm. any project that you've worked on yeah I'll focus on I would say building out the health insurance broker channel it just yeah. works that is something that I've really spent a lot of time and effort on over the past two years and it you know it's really picked up a lot of traction um, we're really proud of it and I would say it uses all of my skills so mm -hmm. for instance when we first set it up it was very important to figure out the deal that mm -hmm. we would strike with these brokers the economics mm -hmm. how it was going to work the brokers send business to our sales reps, and so we had to design sort of operational rules mm -hmm. of engagement around that and think through how are we gonna train up the sales team, how are we gonna train up the brokers to work together. Mm -hmm. Part of it is just sales, selling the idea of being part of the program and then also training the brokers on how to sell our products and services. Mm -hmm. And then some of it is marketing. We do webinars to them, we do continuing education, we send them swag and gifts, we have events for them. So it's really just, lot. right, it's like the whole gamut. It's yeah. a multifaceted project, which is yeah. also what I like about it and what I love about BD, because yeah. no two days are alike. Mm -mm. And it's really concepting something and then putting it into motion and building it. Mm -hmm. So we've been able to see that through from start to finish at this point. We have, we're paying actively about 110 brokers and we probably have about 200 in the program and it's continuing to grow. So we've seen a lot of momentum. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a huge project, like a huge undertaking. Yeah, and we have to work cross-functionally with our operations team, our yeah. finance team, our business intelligence team, yeah. the sales team. It's such a classic BD type yes. of project. So because, collaborative. Right. So much of it is just 
you know, figuring out who the right people are internally, convincing them to help out, yeah. using your sort of soft skills, your power of persuasion. Yeah. Uh, being a change agent, I mean, yeah. there were times at the beginning where I was getting into screaming matches with one of the sales managers because she did not <laughs> want her reps wasting time on brokers. Brokers yeah. don't work. I mean, there was a lot of change management we had to go through at first. Yeah because of bad experiences that the team had had with brokers in yeah. the past. Flip side, same thing with brokers. We had to overcome a lot of hurdles, bad experiences brokers yeah. had had with other companies. <laughs> like that had nothing to do with us, but yeah. you know, so anyway, I mean, the soft skill piece is big. Yeah, having to vouch for your projects and why they're important. Mm -hmm. How, what kind of approach do you take for that? So I usually, if someone is upset or sort of bringing a past wrong into the conversation, mm -hmm. I'll usually let them get it all out because okay. sometimes people yeah. just really need to be heard and yeah. get it out. So I let them blow off steam. <laughs> and then maybe I'll just start asking questions yeah. about why they feel a certain way and just try to hone in on what the problem actually was. Yeah and then figure out how we can design the program in a way that avoids that particular problem. Yeah. And so, you know, for instance, we met with a broker out in California recently who had a very bad experience with another company like ours because mm -hmm. they would try to get quotes for their clients and it would take forever and the turnaround time was super slow and they didn't have enough communication mm -hmm. and it kind of would get lost in the weeds. So we were then spending most of the meeting thinking about if you work with us, what's the process gonna look like and how can we make that process work for you? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of it is just problem solving. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, allowing that person to vent and then being yeah. like, okay, here's the problem, how do we solve it together? Yeah. That's one thing I love about BD, it's very collaborative. Yeah. I love that about partnerships. Yeah. It's never a, you know, you win, I win, zero sum. It's very much yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. everybody wins, let's yeah. figure out how. Yeah, I So like it's that. very rewarding. Yeah, no, it totally is. And I think empathy plays a, a big part in that too, is like, seeing the other side, seeing why someone is upset and helping them come to a common solution. Mm -hmm, um, that's mm -hmm. something that we've also talked about a lot is being empathetic and something that I'm trying to work on because whenever a partner comes to me and they ask for X, Y, Z, I'm like, I can't do that for you. Right. <laughs> and I have to see why they want that. And that it really does create a, a, a better partnership when you can have empathy and come to the table, as we mentioned, with uh, a partner. Right, and then, right, but then the flip side of it that you just brought up is also understanding when you need to be firm and yeah. say no and having boundaries. Yes. <laughs> and that part is tough sometimes. So tough. I mean, some of our partners will just push and push and push, oh, yes. and we just have to be really firm with them yeah. and just say no. The power yeah. of no, as one of my old bosses used to say. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is just no. Well, you can't do everything for everyone, and you can't right. please everyone. And I, what I've learned from my own team and at Greenhouse is that we we do have to think of ourselves and our team. Like when a partner comes to me and asks for developer resources, I take an engineer off of so, something that they would be doing for Greenhouse. And so you kind mm -hmm. of do, you have to prioritize what makes sense um, in a, a bigger picture as well for, for your organization, for your team. So no does come into play quite a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for people who are listening um, who might just be getting started in a career in BD and partnerships or um, might be thinking about making a switch? Sure, definitely. I mean, I would say there's no sort of clear-cut black and white Mm -hmm. BD method. I mean, you're not going to be able to learn about this in a book and you know, study not really yet. hard, and yeah, not yet. Good point. Good point. Um, you're right. And actually, Scott did write a book, so I take that back. It's What Is Business Development, and I actually love that book. But I haven't read it yet. I, I do think, like, point is, yes, read that book, and you know, go into it eyes wide open, but know that you're going to encounter situations that are probably never occurred before brand new situations you're going to find yourself in because it is it's somewhat of a change agent type of role yeah it calls for a lot of problem solving and creativity Mm -hmm. and at first that's going to be really scary because most likely there isn't going to be someone telling you exactly how to do it this isn't accounting this isn't practicing law And, you know, you're going to at first be scared, but it's something where you start developing Mm -hmm. an instinct. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's like you somehow, it starts to click. And if there's pattern recognition, you see, you know, this this is something that I did with a partner at my past company. I think this could work here. And you start realizing what's feasible and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's fun about it. Mm, absolutely. Because, sure, there is somewhat of an art to it. There's, It's part art, part science. Yeah. And I think the science piece, you can try to learn as much as you can from your peers. Yeah. But there's always going to there's gonna be that element of surprise. Yeah. And it, it might not be something that you've ever encountered, and you just have to... Wing it. Wing it. You really do. And be okay with that, you know, and get those BD and sort of just business chops and get that gut instinct. Yeah. I think it's the skill set that you have to kind of accumulate, like the critical thinking and strategic thinking and the people skills that make up. Because like you said earlier, every organization is different. Every partnership structure is different. So um, it's, it's... a very fun, interesting, and challenging world. Yes, and I, I want to circle back to the failure piece. Yes. I think even hang, having a few failures under your belt is beneficial. Absolutely. Because when you see a partnership fall apart and you see what went wrong, it's just such an invaluable way to learn yeah. and you know take that into the next opportunity. Yeah. And it, it gives you wisdom. Mm-hmm in a way that you just wouldn't have if you read it in a book. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it helps you figure out how to avoid those pitfalls. Yeah. So no, I, I think, think failure good. is valuable. And make sure if you're doing BD, you're doing it in a company that gives you that space to fail. Yep. And ask, what are what are my KPIs? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be gold? What does success look like? And have those conversations early on and make sure that there's a level of trust there. Yeah. That is a great piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to be in an organization that allows you to fail so that it's not scary. Like, we shouldn't be afraid of failure. Mm -hmm. I think we use that term in a very negative light, but I'm seeing it not in a negative light anymore because I've seen the failures that I've had at Greenhouse specifically, and I don't really see them as failures. They're just learning lessons, and I like seeing it in that light instead of, calling it a failure. Mm -hmm. 
And I like the the idea of having metrics behind it and asking what does success look like when it comes to this partnerships world and partnerships specifically for this organization. I think that's a great piece of advice for someone who might be starting a partnerships department and like talking to their CEO or just someone who's who's getting started. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you, Molly. Of course. Um, I love your story. Thanks and it was for great having chatting. me. Yes, of course. We'll see you soon.